Hello and welcome to episode 35 of Magic and the Other Guy. Kevin and I, as ever, sitting outside my home on the banks of very sunny and quite warm Lake Wiley. Kevin, how are you today? I'm well, I'm well. There's good evidence of, of the wildlife. We, we've just had a encounter, as I guess you'd say, or an experience. Yes. Uh, I'm never sure if it's a, a falcon or a kestrel or a hawk or whether they're all interchangeable names for the same bird, but a beautiful looking bird of prey. And occasionally when I'm sitting out here of a, an, on a quiet evening, just taking in the joys of uh, the solitude in the lake, I will hear this splash, really like someone's chucked a big boulder into the lake. But it is one of these birds of prey that from seemingly hundreds of feet up will just dive straight into the water head first. And I would say 90% of the time they come out with a fish in their claws and away they go. Yeah, yeah. this one was just, just swooped down probably 20 feet from us, right yeah. off the front of the porch. And, and actually, I'm going to say, I, I don't know what we're talking about on our episode today, but we're already off topic. Well, we can't be off topic. We haven't no, got a topic. Exactly. Yet. That's right. Uh, when That's I, our excuse. When I first moved down here about five or six years ago now, uh, there was relatively little construction around here. And as a result, we used to see fairly few of these hawks. But because of the increase of construction the other side of where we are, and I guess a lot of that natural habitat that they've been used to for forever has been taken away, we're seeing a lot more wildlife come down to the lake now, which I suppose it's a, it's a tragedy in a way. The deer are exactly the same. They have nowhere else to go, so inevitably everything ends up on the banks of the lake. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then we see them, see them swimming in a bunch across the lake, yeah, as we may have mentioned before. Yeah, we've seen the deer stroke deer swimming across the lake, and we've seen the birds of prey. And uh, I enjoy all of that, but I think it is, if you take Charlotte as one, in a, in a, as a case of isolation, and the seemingly endless construction work and the destruction of the woodlands, times that by every major city in the states and times that by every country in the world God, what an awful situation it is for wildlife but a chap was telling me once he said you know deer actually and i'm just reporting this story i don't know if it's fact but i have no reason to disbelieve him. he said deer actually need remarkably little land to live on if they've got a little strip of land somewhere just to get down in the evenings and, oh. and, and they'll be fine my neighborhood is a prime example yeah. we, we will we had them then this morning there was there was one i guess kind of she must she or he must probably she was laying because she popped her head up above a, a fallen log and was just kind of watching us yeah and then there was we could see another one on our tree line but i mean it will we can maybe have eight going through and we're a very old neighborhood that neighborhood's been there at least since the 70s, maybe the 60s. Oh, wow. And growing up around, it, it lots, there's always been stuff around our area, and there are constantly deer coming and going. The other thing that I'm always delighted to see, because uh, it makes me think of mum. My mum was absolutely fascinated with squirrels. She loved to watch them playing in her garden at home, and whenever I was away with work, particularly with Benetton, uh, and I would go to parks or woodlands or anything. If ever I saw squirrels, I would always snap a picture of the squirrels and uh, print them out and send them to her. She loved to see squirrels. And the squirrels here are, you know, they seem so tame. They will sit on the decking here just a few feet away and just watch me. And then they'll just kind of turn around and trot off, but there's no sense of urgency or no, hastening no. them at all. I love, I love to see the squirrels at play. Well, we had a... 
It's funny you mentioned squirrel. Just just yesterday, you know, I have uh, we mentioned my daughter and she's eight, and she's very tender-hearted, especially toward animals right. and such. Well, uh, we'd gotten home from uh, a trip, and I was upstairs, kind of putting some stuff away, and she was downstairs with with her mom, and I just heard daddy. And so I come down, there's a dead squirrel on our, our patio. Oh, dear. And on our, our we have a, a little glass table with the kind of like bar stool size uh, mesh chairs. Yes. And he's just, you know, flat, just kind of out. And I'm like, well, okay, so let's, let's go out there. And, you know, I'm trying to, you know, calm her and whatever, and we get out there. And we, we open the door, and as soon as we kind of make the turn to kind of go out there, he just kind of pops up and jumps down. And I said, I've never, I mean, he was laying there flat as a pancake, just flock, completely spread out, looked dead as could be. And then I'm probably like going, this, this, he's probably worn out. He's like, I finally find a place to get some rest, and here you people come. Well, it's so funny you should say that, Kevin, because our gentle listener can't see this, but come with, come with us, take this journey of imagination with us, gentle listener. To my, to my right, over here, I have some patio furniture typical sort of lounges and a couple of chairs with the cushions on and typically the the only folks creatures that use them are the squirrels but sometimes they will lie on top of they will lay flat on top of the on top of the uh, uh, the cushions there just like you describe no oh. as if they're a sun lounge well they appreciate you putting out that very <laughs> soft little bed for them that's right and, I, and in play sometimes when I'm inside the house, I can see them through the windows on the, on the cushions and I will tap on the windows and say, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? But, and they'll just kind of look through and but they're not bothered at all. They're not, they're not slightly no, we, fussed. We've actually, well, it, usually in the mornings, uh, I'll make uh, my daughter, daughter's breakfast or you know, whatever I'm sitting here for lunch and I'm always cutting off uh, strawberry tops yeah. and I'll cut her an apple almost every day. So okay. there's always two core pieces, okay. you know, from the half I've cut and then whatever. And I'll go out the back door and chuck them over, you know, and inevitably I may go look five minutes later and they're gonna be gone. The squirrels have had them. Yeah, they, I think they've gotten to where they expect it now. They're probably like going, hello, it's, you know, yeah. it's, it's almost 7.30, yeah. where's our breakfast? Seriously, where's the strawberries? But uh, <laughs> yes, That's it, right. it was a couple. <laughs> couple of days ago that that one was out there and he was kind of we have a little kind of a step up path that goes kind of up to the our higher part of our backyard and he was kind of in the path so i just kind of individually chucked the strawberry things and who knows i might have bonked him on the head with one of them but he was happy he's a clam because he scooped one up and he ran up on top of a little uh brick thing there on one of the walls and was just nibbling the town on that uh, strawberry and he probably finished off the rest of them now Answer me this if you can, or I'll just I'll just put it out there. Maybe one of our listeners can can educate us both. I have never seen squirrels take a drink of water from the lake, and I don't know how they. Where are they taking their water from? That's good. I don't, I don't think I've ever I've seen a natural seen, yeah, one I, I drink, kind of, or even out of a bird feeder. I don't think I've ever seen it. Maybe they maybe they don't do that in some. Maybe they rely on green vegetation or something to take the moisture from it. I have no idea, but I, I, I often think about that watching the, the squirrels at play here down at the lake. I never see them take a drink. Well, it's, it's, they definitely, I saw a video, again, you know, you get into these vortexes on, on, online, and it was showing where I think it was somewhere where there must have been a really bad drought, and this, this uh, video somebody took, they were hikers or something like that, and they had a, a, a bottle of bottled water, and this squirrel came up to them and was just kind of looking at them and they, they popped the cap on it and held it down there and he just 
uh, held his little paws on the edge of it and just drank and drank and drank and drank and drank, and drank that water and then took off. So he was probably in, in dire hydration, dehydration wow, and was begging, amazing. begging for water. Wow. So I've seen that now. <laughs> I would never thought about that again unless we had this conversation about it. I guess they get it that way, or <laughs> not naturally, but they find, I guess, somewhere sources. Well, actually, I say that about the squirrels, and uh, I know we've mentioned this before. I also have rabbits down here, not many, but I know there are a few around, and uh, that's, they are the same. I don't see, I never see the rabbits down taking a drink at the lake. But maybe they, maybe this is all activity that happens nocturnally, and they do that for self-preservation because those hawks and kestrels won't dive down and take them off. Yeah, probably. Perhaps, I don't know, perhaps. We are seeing more of them right now because of the time of the year. We'll see them around our neighborhood, stuff like that. The, the rabbits or? Yeah, the yeah. ones that have uh, you know been born in the springtime or getting older and yeah. hopping around and doing their thing, I guess. But yeah, we're my, my daughter's real good at popping or popping a shot of those. She'll be driving along and go, hey, rabbit, you know, that type of thing. She yeah. probably gets that from her mom. But, well, they uh, probably have a, a fairly good life here. Yes. Many folks would leave them alone. I'm saying that because I was thinking back to my time in France. And if dear old Madame Fauconet could get her hands on the rabbit, believe me, in 15 minutes that would be in the kitchen and being prepared for dinner. Yep. yep. There's no, no question of that. Well, again, yeah, kind, of, kind, of, kind of where I live and it's fairly populated, I think uh, me taking pot shots at, at uh, small critters isn't going to be well accepted by anyone in the neighborhood. So, yeah. Well, um we're not talking about wildlife, I'm going to Well, guess. we can. I think we're on a roll here. Oh, well, let's carry on then. Maybe I think, I think, I think we, we've shifted course. I think we can talk about wildlife oh, this time. This is a first, but let's do it. Okay. Yeah. So what other wildlife stories have you got? Funny you mentioned squirrels. Uh, we went down. My wife has uh, some friends that live. They have a, a house near the, near the ocean. And I've never seen these. And you may never count it. They have squirrels down there that are black. They're I've black with like white tips on their ears. Oh. And they're very much a regional thing, as far as I know. Are they, they skunks you're talking about? No, they're, no. <laughs> Just, they are definitely squirrels. Okay. And somebody listening probably knows, oh, that's the blah, blah, blah squirrel. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they have, uh, you know, they said, oh, when you get down there, you'll see a bunch of them. And they are. They're running around, and I guess there are certain species. Or Well, it's funny you should say that, because in the States, did you ever used to have red squirrels? Red fur squirrels. I mean, it's sort I of a, like believe, a fox-colored reddish, that reddish brown. That sounds familiar. I think it's probably a regional thing in the U.S. somewhere. Yes. Now, the reason I, I ask you is because at one time, England, Scotland, Wales, and Pops Island too, uh, the dominant breed was the red squirrel. And somehow, I'm going to call it the North American gray squirrel, and I'm probably very wrong there. But when that gray squirrel was introduced into England, um, pretty much killed the red squirrel off in a very really? short period of time. Yeah, yeah. and that's all we have here. That's I'm sure what the great just the, the typical gray typical yes. gray squirrels, which on your porch is in our yard, you know, those eating our strawberries, yes, that kind of thing. Those gray squirrels that we were just chatting about, they would be all over England now, mm-hmm. uh, and they became the the dominant breed. No, no doubt about that. But and I can't really ever remember the red squirrels. I mean, I kind of maybe seen one or two as a kid but my mum always used to talk about the red squirrels but uh, and they were much bigger as well they were much bigger maybe about 25% bigger but presumably they were also more docile I don't I don't know but when the grey squirrels introduced in a short period of time they, oh. they took over 
Yeah, I've, I've only li- ever lived in the, the, the southeast of the United States, and, you know, including Florida in that. So that's the only squirrels I've ever encountered. So I'm not sure what, yeah. what ones are around the very vast region of the country that I've never lived in. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, and this is another thing we can, we're always thinking about, we should research this online. But if you look back to, say, the tales of Beatrix Potter or children's books that were written about animals, let's say in the 1920s, I bet those books would be full of illustrations of red squirrels, not gray squirrels. Maybe. Yeah. Now, I do remember, uh, you know, again, going back, you know, we, we know now after doing this podcast for so long that I moved to Florida when Dad took retirement, and I was about, you know, just turning 12, and we had gray squirrels there. But I remember Dad, Dad commenting, these are the scrawniest squirrels down here in Florida. <laughs> they were the same squirrel, yeah. but they were a lot thinner. Their tails weren't nice and bushy. They just didn't seem to thrive as well down there as they did, you know, growing up in Tennessee and now we're in the Carolinas and such. Yeah, I guess that's probably evolution at work for you there, that uh, a lot of of creatures perhaps don't seem suited to a particular environment, but in fact they are in a different way. You know, they've survived and other other strains of that breed have, have died away. Yeah, of course, you know, we're, we're used to the Carolinas. The Carolinas seem more, you know, lush and stuff. And, of course, you've got soil and stuff here, whereas in Florida, everything's kind of coming out of the sand, and you've got palms and different yeah. different things that probably just aren't good food sources for certain type of animals. Mammals, I think, probably have a more uh, harder time down there. Yes, well, I'm sure they do. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it, really, how these things these things happen. And I suppose international travel, but, I mean, going back with... with, with with wooden ships and into steel ships and but since that international tra- travel has happened as a result of us humans spreading around the world of course that's uh, spread so many different species from country to country that the entire world has changed i think it's only what do we talk about now the galapagos islands is the only place that's been left in isolation everything else has been for want of a better phrase cross-pollinated <laughs> but i think the galapagos is probably the only place left yeah and of course a lot of that you know has caused, has caused you know very very big problems you know with wiping out or whatever like you say with the squirrel or something yeah. like that or something else comes in and is a real big problem yeah uh, for for certain areas now funny and again we you know <clears throat> after factoring global warming and the war, warming of the oceans etc cetera, etc cetera. and the reason I say that is Kevin only the other day I'm sure I was looking online somewhere and there was a there was a a sighting of a whale in the River Thames in London and uh, I think the whale had beached itself and swum up the estuary from the ocean of course you never see how many whales do you see around that that part of the world very few i'm thinking but one had uh had, had um had come over with the warmer waters and got itself beached in in i want to say in london but somewhere close to london where the thames is anyway yeah remarkable how the world is changing isn't it yeah 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 and i remember uh I think I think this is the case. I don't know if they were brought there or accidentally ended up there or whatever. But I think I think it's uh, a known thing that I don't think there's any snakes in Hawaii. Really? I don't think on any of the islands. I could be wrong about this, but I think it's I think there's no snakes in Hawaii because the mongoose population, the wild mongoose population, is so high hmm. that they they don't have a chance. The mongoose will take them out. So you're not gonna you're not generally not gonna have to worry about venomous snakes or any other snakes. I guess bothering you. <laughs> In, uh, in Hawaii. Yeah, and, and like we've, we've chatted about this before, I'm not sure whether or not we chatted about it on air during our, one of our podcasts, but um, we're not really bothered by snakes over in England or almost anything over in England. No, there's nothing really there that's a, a danger. 
no poisonous spiders, no scorpions, nothing really that's going to bother you, yeah. Yeah, and in contrast, I think we, we chatted about this before. I can't remember if it was on, on air or not, but right. you, know, you go to Australia and everything wants to kill you. Absolutely. Every single living creature seems to want to take you out if you're in Australia. Whether it's flying in the air, it's on the land or in the water, on the surface of the water or underneath the water. Every single thing seems to want to kill you. Well, and I remember, I remember talking with someone who was traveling one time, and they were they were somewhere, you know, in, in the deserty area of part of the world or something like that. And I said, you know, our, our guide said, okay, you know, it's, it's morning time. Before you put your shoes on, be sure to check for scorpions. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I want to go anywhere where my daily routine has to have me checking for scorpions. They're one of those things I just look at and go, what the heck was this thing built for? <laughs> yes, well. As we've chatted about before, again, whether or not on air, but it doesn't really matter, is I, I, I like to believe that most creatures, when they encounter us humans, want to run in the opposite direction. Because oh, the, I think the vast majority. The vast majority do want to do that, right, I think? But you step on them, and they're going to th make themselves known. That is the problem when you step on these things by accident. Well, too, it's, it's, it's funny how you, you know, you know like being younger, I would be freaked out if a you know, bee got close to me and stuff like that, you know, because yeah. you just, ah, it's going to sting me. But, you know, you mature, and now, now you just sit calmly, and especially with all they've talked about in recent years about how important they are. Sure. And we just, you know, you sit, and you let it kind of check you out, and it's going to move on. It's not going to, it has gonna, no interest in bothering you, usually. So I think twice I've been stung by bees, and um, it's really, to me, I mean, I know some folks are, allergic to them. It can yeah, be you have to be very careful with um, that. Fortunately, I, I'm not, and I've been stung by a couple of honeybees, and uh, it's nothing. Within five minutes, it's gone, you know. Yeah. One time, I remember, I remember how these things stick in memory, I'm not sure. I was actually driving to work at Banaton through the Oxford countryside from Chipping Norton uh, in my little, I think it was a Ford Fiesta, and I, it was the summertime, and I had both my windows open. It was a beautiful, wonderful summer's day in England, which actually... Although England gets a very bad reputation for constantly raining, we do have some wonderful summers uh, without the humidity. And I was driving along with both windows open, and a honeybee flew in through the passenger window and, and landed on my arm. And I think was so confused and couldn't figure out what was happening, he thought he was under attack and stung me. Oh. Thought, well, that's very unfair. And I just brushed him off, and he went out of the driver's window, and off he went. But... Uh, yeah, then left his little sting. Unfortunately, left his little sting in my arm, but within five minutes it had gone. But I just remember that particular poor old honeybee didn't know what was happening to him. Yeah. 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 Well, that kind of reminds me of a story, and it's because of, I've got a very good friend of mine, and he's just one of those that's just deathly afraid of spiders. Right. And I was driving along one time, and, and down from the visor or whatever, right but you know, between the steering wheel and I, just this little spider came down. <laughs> and he was probably, I mean, a third the size of your, your uh, smallest fingernail. Yeah. Just a, oh, not, not big. Yeah, 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 just a little yeah. brown something or other. Yeah. I knew he was harmless. And I think I probably got, kind of you know, got his web and kind of did something with him, put him somewhere. But I remember thinking, yeah, if that was my buddy driving, this car would have been into a tree. Uh, immediately because there would have been and probably taken out three other cars with him at the same time yeah. we used to have in in france well i know they're still there i'm no longer in france but in france um my neighbors warned me of the frelon frelon which were local hornets and they were as big as a big little finger i mean two and a half three inches long i mean pretty serious things and uh, 
two or three stings from Freylon would be you need to go to hospital. Wow. Yeah, they can um, be mean. They buggers. can be mean. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but again, fortunately, we didn't tend to see that many of them. Uh, but I do remember chatting to the local um, fire service, one of the local volunteer fire service in France. One of their jobs is to deal with Freylon nests. Don't deal with it yourself. Get the experts in, and the fire service would do that. And I will agree with that philosophy. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And uh, I remember those guys saying to me, yes, we're seeing a lot more Freylon now than we ever used to in the Charente down in the western part of France. And they put that down to an increase of temperature as it's getting hotter, it's getting warmer. Oh. These things are beginning to spread and we're seeing a lot more of them. And I do remember stumbling across uh, in one house, a little old house that I bought for renovation in France in the what was an old stable, which I turned into a little garage for one of my cars but in the stable I found a Freylon nest uh, but it was it was an old nest so it was no longer active but it was the size of a beach ball twice the size of a soccer ball if you can imagine mm. that I mean so 12 inches 18 inches across a big thing and I thought gracious you know if that was full of Freylon I wouldn't want to go anywhere near it no well, we, uh, the house we're in right now was the house that Ruth, uh, my wife, grew up in, and we've take, kind of taken it over. Um, at one point, when we were kind of getting it ready, we were going to sell it at one point, uh, and we were kind of, it had been, you know, lived in, but, you know, just not a lot of stuff was done. And on the window, of actually what was Ruth's childhood room, that's now our daughter's room, the hornets had built the nest on the window. Oh, wow. So it was, it was a perfect, like, science thing to yeah. see, you know they you could look right into it wow. unfortunately they well i guess fortunately they had they had gone yeah but i said that would have been fascinating to watch them from the safety of the inside of the house through the glass watch their you know community work inside there because well, it was just a perfect window into, it, into their world they are absolutely fascinating to watch whether it's um, bees or wasps or hornets i guess they all follow pretty much the same principles of their community life but how they organize themselves and yeah, it is fascinating to see that stuff in action, isn't yeah. it? If you just make sure that you're just not being stung by the things. Yeah, and again, uh, we talked about it my move to Florida. We, when we got down there, and it, I must must have been in school when this story happened, and Dad, Dad is long gone, so I'm sure he won't mind me telling this story. I've, you know, he, he was kind of just kind of getting settled down there, and, you know, doing, and he was doing some yard, you know, doing something out in the yard. Right. And he came across this little mound of, you know, ants and stuff. Well, he's, you know, just like he was in Tennessee, we have those little black ants in Tennessee, and he just kind of kicked it along, and all of a sudden, he was like, whoa, 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 and, and the story goes that by the time he made it into the house and made it through the garage and into the house, he was pretty much buck naked because he'd gotten into a fire ant mound oh. and didn't know what they were. He'd never heard of a fire ant. Well, I'd never heard of fire ants until I moved to the States, I must say, but I'm aware of them, fortunately, I've never been uh, attacked by them or bitten by them or stung by them. Well, the expression is bitten, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll get you So good. they're nasty things, right? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they're not, you know, a huge bit. You know, you'll, you'll find them and avoid them once you know. Yeah. But that was always the kind of thing in Florida. It's not like every day you got to be on your top guard. But, you know, if you see one or a mound of them, you know, generally don't mess with them or <laughs> don't, don't set your picnic down right there or whatever or plop down to take a quick breather. 
Yes, but, uh, and are those fire ants, uh, if you can if you can tell me, are they all across the United States? Or, uh, it must be a southeast thing, because okay. again, I'd never heard of them in Tennessee. Yeah. We got down there. Now, they are here in, in Charlotte area, because when we had uh, one business, there was a little mound of them out in the flower bed out front. Yeah. And I remember a couple of them got me, like, in that webbing between your fingers. Oh, wow, yes. And, okay. uh, and it's kind of just swelled. It, I guess, kind of, for lack of a better word, kind of blistered up. The You know, your body's hydration went into it. And I just kind of had to pop wow. it. And, but it kind of smarted for yes. a few days. My ignorance is easy to see. But w- what makes them so painful? Is it, a, is, it, is it formic acid that any other ant would have? Or is it a different sort of acid that the... It's a good question. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, Maybe it's the concentration or the different yeah. molecular structure to it. Mm. But yeah, they're, they're not fun. No. I wonder if that, whatever it is that makes fire ants so painful, I wonder if there's a some medical advancement to be found through that as there is with snake venom that sort of thing yeah. <laughs> like yes yes it's very very painful actually it's very useful or will be in another 50 years when we figure out or 100 years when we figure out its uh, real advantages yeah yeah well growing up you know I, I, I you wouldn't see as much in the house we lived in a you know established neighborhood it was just you know your bunch of houses and stuff like that had been there for a while so we didn't see too much at home but we uh, I mentioned on this before. We you know, we got a lake house when I was seven. Yeah. So we always had more interesting things down there. We did have the you know the water snakes and, uh, but we always had the uh, little turtles too. Yes. Little, are we slider turtles? The ones that kind of have the little stripes on them. Okay. Yeah. yeah we always and it'd be it'd be neat if you could catch a little baby one. You know we wouldn't keep it, but you know hold it in your hand for sure. a minute or two and yeah. then let him bloop go off. And we'd kind of get the terrapins every once in a while, the little box turtles, the yeah. land turtles. You yeah. run into one of those. Every once in a while and see those. Yeah, we have a lot of turtles in the lake down here. Yeah, and they're probably those kind of more flat, yeah. flat-shelled ones. But get to quite a size, um, 12, 18 inches long, somewhere. Easily. The big, yeah. yeah, and they come out on a log and sun themselves for a while. Yes, exactly, and uh, I, I like to watch them. When I'm, when I'm pottering about down in my boathouse, and when you're inside the boathouse, it's much easier to see down into the water because the reflection of the surface is taken away because of is covered over. When the turtles see me or anybody else, but me in my case, they will they're off like a shot in a split second they're gone. You yeah. know? And I like I like to just stand there and watch them as they nibbling away at the algae and whatever is growing around the, the boat dock itself. But then as soon as they realize that you're watching them, like, they, yep. <laughs> there's, there's this moment of panic yep. when they realize that, oh my goodness, we're being observed. <laughs> yeah. Well, another, uh, st- this kind of reminded me of a funny story. I used to work at uh, uh, Goody's Family Clothing. I think we've covered that. Yeah. yeah. Well, the way it was set up, uh, the break, they had a little break room, and the way the angle of the building, that side of the building went down and then it kind of did a ah, 45 degree angle down this other part and that was the an entrance was there we always went in and out that there was a main entrance that really nobody used it was a little more ornate and you know for visitors and and all that would would come but we always went in the side the posh entrance i guess yeah exactly (laughs) and it's one of these you walk up and the sliding doors would open by the pressure you know or or whatever so we're sitting there in the break room one day and we noticed this skunk came out of nowhere and he's messing around that door. And we're, you know, many hallways down safely in the break room and we're just sitting there going, get on, get on the pad, hit the pad, hit the pad. Because if he goes in, it's going to be an interesting day for all of us. You know, we're younger and it was like going, it's going to be hilarious if this skunk gets in the building. But he kind of poked around. He never, I think, had enough pressure to make that uh, thing trigger. But man, that would have been a, 
been a wild day at the office. Yeah, have, have you ever been sprayed by a skunk? No, knock on, I better knock on wood somewhere, somewhere here, but yeah. and again, I've never encountered one. I've never even seen one in a while. Well, I'm not aware of ever seeing one or being close to one. And again, it's not something that we don't have those in England. I'm not, even I'm going to say the wider Europe, I'm not aware. I might be might be wrong there, but I don't think so. I have a feeling again they're a North American thing. They may again, they may be. I don't know. Yeah, so I'm only aware of their reputation through the media. But um, yeah, that <laughs> and you can't wash this stuff off, can you? It just it stays with you and just lingers and will not leave you for seemingly for days. Again, I hope I never find out firsthand. Yeah. You know the old the old adage. Well, not adage, but the old. Wives tell mem uh, remedy, which yeah. may be true or not. You, you bathe in tomato juice, and it uh, helps alleviate. Right? It. I don't know how true that is or not. But yeah. Well, plus that's an investment in bathing or in tomato <laughs> juice if you're going to fill a tub with it. That's an expensive cure. Well, um, was that squirrels playing? I think so. Yeah. Well, gentle listener, if you if you have been sprayed by. Uh, I was going to say a squirrel. If you have been sprayed by a skunk, that's a whole different story. <laughs> if you have been sprayed by a skunk, we'd love to know about it. Because uh, we'd like to know, wouldn't we? You'd be kind of interesting to know. I don't know anybody personally that's been uh, sprayed by a skunk. So yeah. if you've got, that well, there may story, be somebody out there that's made a pet out of one. You know, you, you take the surgically remove those sink the, glands the or whatever gland, yeah. and uh, I've, I've heard of heard of them being pets they may be good pets I don't know yes probably like anything if you raise them from little ones you know they'd probably be, be fine but yeah who knows <laughs> yes I, I can't I'm struggling to see the attraction of a skunk for a pet but maybe that's just probably that's just me and you that don't like the idea of that well that, that's I've you know we all probably had some friends somewhere down the line had some oddball pet that's you know never even think of having him as one but uh, well all sorts of odd creatures have become pets over the years only whether it's tarantula spiders or huge snakes I, i'm not attracted to any of that just a you know full-size proper labrador type dog would do me yeah <laughs> do me <laughs> well i don't need a you know skunk as a pet well my, my wife's got uh, a friend that lives oh, gosh where is she she might be the one that lives out in texas they said this they've got a, a wild raccoon that shows up every evening for his dinner, you know. He's, and well, I take it, I, I can't say he because it's a she. Because at some point she had babies, and oh. then started bringing the babies over for dinner as well. Oh, really? And yeah. she said at, at some point, I guess when they get to whatever maturity, she she was like, okay, now you are not my, no longer my offspring, your competition. Yeah. And she just said they, she ran them off. So you're you've I've, I've brought you into this world. Go out, find your own way. Yeah. Uh, stay off my. Uh, my source of uh, hot dogs and whatever else they were yeah, handed. Well, well, I mean, it, I think it takes us kind of all almost roundabout back to it. But when Dad was still alive, he and me and Mom were both still living this time. They had a squirrel in the in the yard that Dad would. They had a one of those kind of steps, you know, like a maybe five step stone type thing, a cast pre-made stairs. Okay. Out of concrete, okay. it was okay. in the backyard from okay. some project that he'd done. I think they did some renovation. And it was left over yeah. or something. Yeah. And uh, he'd go out and leave a. You know, a couple of walnuts or pecans out there, and he said, you know, every day that squirrel would come by and sit up and have his uh, treat. So, kind of adopted him. So, it, it, what I know of squirrels is very little, but you know, we've seen those videos of squirrels tackling all sorts of different uh, traps and wires and all sorts of things to get to the nut. Oh, they're, they're, they're clearly, amazing acrobats. They're, they're clearly very smart creatures as well, aren't they? To be able to remember that. 
I guess the idea is that each day or each week when the squirrel gets used to getting through obstacle one and two, you build a fresh obstacle, number three, and then yep. four and five. But for the squirrel to remember all of that and get through it so fast, I think is a, that's a cool thing. They're highly motivated. And the best one I ever saw, I just saw it on some video or something. It was long before all the you know, viral stuff on media and all this. But it was uh, the guy had rigged it up where... If the squirrel jumped, if the bird if the bird feeder had a ledge, yeah. but birds weigh so little, they would land on that little ledge and, and eat their food. But when the weight of a squirrel landed on it, this clown would pop up out of it like a jack-in-the-box. Right. And I'd never seen a squirrel bolt as fast ah. as I because he'd hit that thing, that, oh. that clown head would come out of the top, and he was like shot left right off of it. <laughs> Dear old squirrels. Yeah, again, going back full circle, my mom, she loves squirrels. She absolutely loved them. She was fascinated by them. She would have a calendar in the house each year with squirrel pictures on it, and she would have pictures of squirrels on the on the on the fridge. Most of them, the ones I'd send her through the post, you know. But yeah, they were her favorite animal, I think. Well, and they can, they certainly can be tamed. I would think you could t- tame a wild one fairly well. Not you don't want to take him in the house, probably, but enough to where he might eventually get out of your hand. You know, if you slowly work him yeah, closer well, to you. Judging by what I've seen with the squirrels out here on the decking, I can well believe that because they they seem quite bold. They they're not they don't seem afraid. Oh. Uh, and again, they will just kind of stop and look at me, and I'll look at them, and there'll be a f- maybe 10, 15 seconds where nothing happens, and then squirrel will just turn around and just gently walk off and yeah. go about his day. Well, and and this always I always remember this is in It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Kind of toward the end. There's a scene where, where I think it's, you know, when he's in desperation and stuff, he goes back to the office and, and was it Uncle Billy? And there something, and a little squirrel comes up and is like, you know, kind of puts his paws up on his, his elbow. So that's his pet squirrel. In the, now he's known for, I think in the, they never talk about it, but I think he's known for having pets in the show, in the, uh, in the movie. Okay. Because at one point, doesn't he come in and like the crow flies and lands on his arm? That so I think, they, right. I think they kind uh, of made yeah, this underlying yeah. story that Uncle Billy has yeah. all these tame, tame wild animals, and one of them is a squirrel that just in that one scene comes up and puts his paws up on his elbow and kind of says, "What you doing there, buddy?" So, <laughs> well, Kevin, we have genuinely talked about nothing for all this episode. We're thirty-five minutes into the episode, so we're going. Well, hope to it's in, hopefully it's entertaining. Nothing. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Don't tell us what what you thought we we're going to talk about because we no can, no it'll come up on the right. next one it'll be it'll be useful. I've got the, one in the pocket ready to go. There you go. All right. Well, gentle listener, we, we must sign off because uh, we're out of time. But thank you for, for for that. And again, if you've got any, I have been sprayed by a skunk story to share with us. Contact at matchitandtheotherguy.com is how to get it over to us. Very See you good. next time. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. That was better. That went quite a...